Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Today, we have a special show for you. We're doing a ladies media roundtable to discuss the representation of women in media and media by women, especially as it pertains to music. In our studio today, we have Bobby Reyna, editor of She Shreds magazine, and Sarah Merck, online editor of Bitch Media, while Mindy Abovitz, editor of TomTom Tom magazine, joins us on the phone. Ladies, welcome to the future of what? Yay, so Yay. good to be here. Thanks for having us. So I invited you all here today to talk about representations of women in the media, because I think that this is an issue that is evergreen, unfortunately. I wish that it would stop being something that we have to talk about, mm-hmm. but we do. And I kind of want to start with you, Fabi, because you started this the most recently. Mm-hmm. So She Shreds is about three years old. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So tell us what caused you to start the magazine. Well... See, I've been playing guitar since I was about nine years old, and I was like the kind of kid who lived in a small town, and and every time I went to the grocery store with my mom, I would go to the magazine section and look at all the magazines, and I think originally it stemmed from just sort of like having those sort of stereotypical, like, basic struggles with like being called out for being a girl it, playing guitar or like not being given opportunities like lead guitar opportunities weren't for me they were for boys and and just not really seeing myself in guitar magazines and I felt that way but it wasn't until I went to girls rock camp here in Portland when I was 13 that I sort of realized that this community of women was really awesome and important and as I continued going to the girls rock camp I just kept asking myself like why aren't these women why didn't I know about them before you know I didn't really know that women played music until I went to the girls rock camp and so after that I just knew that I wanted to have a voice in that fight and so I just decided that I started booking shows when I was 15 and they were always very like women focused. And then I just moved into this magazine thing, not really knowing what I was getting myself into and just sort of as a zine, as a hobby. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, different things like Tom Tom Magazine, the Girls Rock Camp and Bitch Media and everything like just sort of helped me feel like this was something that I sort of needed to do regardless of not knowing how to do it. Right. Yeah. Mindy, did you have a similar experience? Is that why you got TomTom started? Ish. Ish. I would say my journey was similar in that rock camp was highly influential for me. Riot Girl was really influential for me because I was 14, so I was around when the Riot Girl movement was happening. And I pretty much started TomTom because I wanted to change Google search results. I didn't exactly want to have a magazine. I wanted to introduce all of these incredible women that I knew in New York City and beyond to the freest form of media and the widest reaching form of media, which at the time was Google. And so I just, similar to Fabi, I'm a feminist. I've been playing music forever. I've been setting up shows and then have been sort of recognizing the massive lack of women role models in the media as first an innocent like consumer of the media and then as an empowered person who realized I could be a part of making the change instead of just this like victim of media. So initially I set out to basically provide really nice imagery and stories about female drummers online and that just snowballed into a magazine and that I still feel really driven to produce a 
piece of printed material that you can hold in your hands and the economy behind print magazines feels very powerful to me. Though, as I do this and the longer I do this, I realize there's lots of ways to reach people. I, I love one thing you said, an innocent victim of bad media. I think that's a really <laughs> great phrase. And I wanted to bring Sarah in on that because... I have this great quote from the official mission statement from Bitch Media, which is, Bitch Media is dedicated to providing and encouraging an engaged, thoughtful feminist response to mainstream media and popular culture. And I think that's actually incredibly critical. I think it's what all three of you are working on. They did it in a very concrete way by actually starting like responses, throwing new stuff into the popular media. What, what would you like to add to that? Well, I think what, what both Fabi and Mindy really hit on is the power of representation in our media. That when, you know, like Fabi, when you were growing up and you go to look at the magazine rack and you look at the guitar magazines and it's all dudes in all of those magazines that maybe you thought, oh, I guess there's just not a place for me here. Or when Mindy, right. when, yeah. when, when you Google drummer and all that comes up is male drummers, that's an issue with representation. I think when we're growing up and we're young, we think it's maybe just us. Like, oh, I, I'm the only one that notices this. Or maybe there aren't any good female drummers or maybe there aren't any good female guitarists. And what you start to realize after you know, living in this world for a while and consuming more and more media as it is not just a one-off situation. What we're seeing across our media is a pattern of discrimination and exclusion, specifically of women and specifically in music of lots and lots of really talented women who don't get the same kind of recognition, credit, praise, and attention that male musicians do systemically across the board. And that's why still today, you know, if you open up a copy of Guitar World or if you Google drummer, unless you Google female drummer, you're still, you're still probably going to see mostly men oh, because right. women just across the board are less likely to be booked at festivals, have to fight more to get that kind of attention and respect and seriousness for their work and to get the kind of acclaim that is, is more easily lauded on, on male musicians. And that's not just a one by, that's not just a case by case basis where like this person's talented and this person's not. What I'm talking about is the pattern there. Right. One thing I just recently learned by talking to someone, a company that creates experiences at big metal festivals is that they emailed me because they found 50% of, of the audience at metal festivals are women, but only I searched sort of their like big festival and their lineups. And most festivals didn't have any women actually playing, but the ones that did only had one or two out of the 300 performers. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy, you know, which means that like if 50% of the audience is women, then they're only seeing women on stage once out of the entire festival. Just crazy to me. And what's the impact of that is, I guess, what I would wonder is yeah. if you're if you're a woman in the in the audience, what's the impact of not seeing women on stage? Maybe right. you're less likely to become a musician yourself. Right. Maybe if you are a musician, you think, well, you know, I'm never going to be able to get to that point. It's really inspirational, I yeah. think, to be able to envision yourself in a role on stage or on TV or in a magazine. Right, totally. And Fabi, I have to ask you this. How old are you? I'm 24. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought. So yeah. I'm 20 years older than you are. Okay. Just <laughs> yeah. for the record. I mean, yeah. And, and when I was, I started playing drums at 21. And, and when I started playing drums, it was the exact same scenario, right? Yeah. No representation of women in media. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I mean, I knew because I loved rock and roll that there were women drummers out there. I knew that there were women bass players and singers and guitarists. Right. But that was because I actually knew those bands and I'd gone to see those bands and I'd done my own research because that was before the internet. So you right. had to actually go and do research to find you those things out. You read a book out. about it, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I read a book about it. It was print. It was hard to, you know, difficult. 
You're listening to The Future of What, and today we're having a roundtable on the representation of women in media. Going Under by EXEC. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on iTunes. To find out what's coming up next, follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW. Now back to the show. It's just interesting to me that we keep having to have this conversation, and that's yeah. but it's clearly systemic, right? It's it's actually continually perpetrated. And I'm wondering why that is. That's I mean, this is just speculation on our parts, but like, does anyone have a thought about why that is? I mean, do people really still think that like pictures of men sell better? I just wanted to add, just to kind of go back a little bit. So Bitch and Bust was around when I was a kid, and those two magazines definitely led the way for me. Like, I went straight to, you know, the record shop and the magazine shop and bought them. And then everything else, like you're saying, systematically leaves women and girls out of empowered roles in terms of representation and leaves them to be sort of, like, to be ogled or viewed or whatever in other ways. And... I wanted to say that I'm finding that 
potentially the reason for this is people not taking responsibility, particularly media makers or festival curators or label owners, managers, and everyone, and this is true of every kind of injustice we have around the world, everyone's really good at finger pointing and saying, well, I mean, this isn't me, it's just the way it is, or it's them, not me. And one part of what I've been trying to do is to empower people to make small changes in their own companies and in their own, you know, giving them tools to make money because we're in a capitalist society to think of us as like a potential market, I think has been a main strategy. But I think, and I'm just going to say guys right now, but I think the guys are really good at leaving women out of the media, at least in empowered positions, because it doesn't so much occur to them what the impact it has on us when we are left out. And it's just easy for them to do what they've always done and to kind of put their friends in the pages of these magazines or, or in the festivals. And I don't know if that's too broad sweeping for people listening to the show or for you guys, but that's what I keep landing on is that we're all really good at kind of helping our friends and people who look and sound like us. And we're not as good at stepping outside of our comfort zones and pulling up people who don't have, who maybe historically don't have the same representation or opportunities and, that's my reason for why we're continuously left out of everything and specifically the music industry or why other people who have historically been left out of everything continue to be. So I think it's going to take a lot of intention and concerted effort and help from people like us who are really righteous, like offering our help to people who are otherwise kind of blind to it or couldn't care less. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. I don't know if that's, yeah. And to add to that, I think that, you know, for me, it's always been really difficult to relate to those women-focused communities. Like, other than, like, the rock, rock and Roll Camp for Girls, but, like, in the music industry, when I, you know, the first year I went to NAM, and, like, don't get me wrong, I really love the different types of representation. Like, I think that they all add to the message, but I don't relate to something like like pink and glittery guitars. You know, I just, that's not me. Can you tell us what NAM is? It's a huge convention where all the music manufacturers go and talk business. And it's basically just four floors of every person in the industry ever. Yeah, and it's amazing. But what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, you know, for for She Shreds, it's like one of the biggest things that we want to do is to create or introduce this aesthetic of really just just introducing women in the same way that men are, are introduced. You know, just kind of like... Yeah, I mean, just just being and also welcoming everybody, like showcasing these women and talking about the industry and and telling men and boys that, you know, you can pick this magazine up, too. It's just a different take on the music industry that hasn't really been represented before. Yeah, I think there's there's two real things that I want to key in on there. And one is that there is I think why change is so slow which is what you're saying Portia like it was like this 20 years ago why hasn't there been like a revolution and I think part of it is that what we're seeing is discrimination in every level of the industry and in every level of our pop culture you know so from a music standpoint it's like it's not just like it's not just like guitar world is sexist it's like the people who own all of the music magazines have been running it this way for a long time. The people who book shows, the people who own the theaters, the people who run the concerts. It's, this is an entire system of making money and of selling music that's built around being male-dominated. And that is really hard to change because there's so many different levels to it. And then especially what Mindy was saying about how nobody really wants to take responsibility for it. And I think what's important there is that 
there's always the excuse of like, well, we book what sells or we we put on our page what sells. And that when, when you just sort of reiterate what's already popular, it's it's a cycle that feeds on itself. If you're only reiterating what's already out there, that's that's sort of the male dominated industry. And so what really takes it takes work to change and it takes work to go out beyond the bands that are already popular or the five friends you already know or the guys you already heard to find those bands that are under the radar or aren't getting enough attention. It takes work to change the systems of the way that you find and book and hire bands. And so, for example, Fabi told that story about the metal festival realizing that 50% of its audience was female. That took work for them to be like, wait a second, we should survey our audience and see who's here. And now it's going to take even more work for them to be like, okay, how do we get more women on stage if they actually decide to follow through on that? I means pushing their bookers to find new bands. That means doing more work on their part to not just book the bands that have been booked at other festivals. That means reaching out and really having to look for bands because they're not the ones that are already getting all the awards and all the attention. And so I think that it's, it's, it's hard to change, but that it, the rewards are, are so great because there's so many bands and people that are being left out of the scene right now. Right. Yeah, and one of the main things that I have been consistently telling anyone in the industry who's willing to listen to me, particularly the drum manufacturers, is that the more attention they serve this underserved population of people, namely female drummers, the more rewards they'll get. Like you were just saying, you pay a little bit of attention to people who've gotten none, and they will give you back so much. And then you can grow this market that has been until now, completely ignored. And so for, from a business perspective, women and girls are the number one fastest growing market in the music industry. And with a little bit of effort from the industry as a whole, every single moving part of it, women, I think, will be invited in for the first time ever and actually get the decent representation across all of the moving parts in the industry. That is the progress that I feel like we're seeing now is that that hasn't really been shown before is that the the actual decision makers of that are creating these advertisements and that are shifting the that have yeah that have the hands on shifting the way that the guitar industry or the drum industry look are actually paying attention they're at least in my industry they're consciously trying to make a difference they're consci- they're consciously asking like what, how can we include women? How, what is the right, how can we create a community or how can we be a part of a community that, that gains the trust of these people that have for 30, 40 years been ignored? And it's, and that's a really, really interesting thing that I, I feel like in research I haven't seen before. Yeah, I think the people who grew up being pissed off are now in positions of power, hopefully within the music industry. So hopefully we'll see some more change. Like Portia, 20 years ago, when you started getting mad about this, you weren't the president of a record company. That's true. And now you are in a position where you're a decision maker. And I think we're seeing that kind of across the board where people who grew up with this on their radar or who grew up going to rock camp or who grew up thinking about these things are now hopefully the ones who are starting to get control at companies and are starting to become professional bookers themselves and are starting to try and change things themselves. But it's hard to do completely from the outside of the industry when you're just like, hey, you guys should put more women on the page. Okay, bye. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And yeah, and, and it also takes, you know, it also takes an audience, though. It, it does, you know, the people that are reading the magazines and, and the audience and the readers have a huge impact as well because they need, they need to demand that content. They need to demand that they, that 
this exists, that Tom Tom exists, that bitch exists, that she shreds exists, because you know ultimately we are the ones pushing the people. We're the we're the ones pushing the advertisers, the instrument manufacturers, and saying and and calling them out. You know, like it's and and I and I personally really saw that when the Guitar World and She Shreds photo came out, and so many industry people were like, oh my God, like I see that now. Like I, I can't believe that and I see it. And they email me and tell me, or at NAMM, for example, a lot of the companies told me like, we don't want to advertise like with that magazine anymore or with that issue, or we're going to, we're going to actively tell them that they need to change if they want to keep us as advertisers. And that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the photo you're talking about there specifically on Guitar World, like women in rock photo that has like the woman in bikini? Yeah. Playing yeah. guitar. And we're like on the same newsstand as them, like right next to them. And we're just kind of like, like on the one hand is this guitar magazine where it's like the woman is half naked and like seductively holding this guitar. And then there's us, which is like this powerful representation of this woman. And a reader just snapped the photo and put it on Instagram and like it went viral. And it was just, you know, this photo that sort of was like this juxtaposition on on sort of old views and like sexist traditions versus contemporary ones. Well, and that's a really important point to bring up because your magazine was there. Right. You exactly. Know, that's the incredible and wonderful part. That's exactly. the great thing that we're the place that we're at right now. You're listening to The Future of What? If you're enjoying this program, like us on Facebook and become a subscriber on iTunes. by CTM. 
You're listening to The Future of What. Today in our studio, we're speaking with Sarah Merck, the online editor of Bitch Media, and Fabi Reyna, the editor of She Shreds Magazine, and Mindy Abovitz, the editor of TomTom Tom Magazine, about the representation of women in media. So let's talk a little bit about how you guys are doing. I mean, there was a moment, all three of you, when, you know, the music industry looked like it was about to tank and the publishing industry was right there with it. It was like, oh, mm -hmm. we all do online stuff. Who wants to read print media? It's over. And yet, look at you guys. So you're all still here and it seems to be actually doing better and better. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. With Bitch, yeah, we, we used to function as a, basically as a print magazine up until about 2008. And if you've been reading the news at all, you know that the print industry is really changing a lot. And you can't rely on money from subscription sales and money from newsstand sales to stay afloat entirely. So in 2008, Bitch transitioned into Bitch Media and functioning as a nonprofit organization. And this year is actually Bitch's 20th anniversary in print. And that's a huge deal. And we've been able to stay around in part because there is such a demand for feminist media and people are really hungry for it and they want that analysis and they want to hear those voices that are being left out elsewhere. And so they're willing to help fund that and pitch in for it and they're seeking it out. And so I think that's what's really been what's, what's kept bitch around is that there is a huge demand for, for feminist media and that we've stayed really consistent with our vision and mission and haven't like gone the, to a super clickbait route or haven't changed to be like to try and be more sensational in some way, but instead have been consistent feminist analysis for 20 years on these issues, but instead changed our funding system to function more like a nonprofit than just relying on newsstand sales and subscriptions. Mindy, what about TomTom? Tom? How's how are you guys doing? I mean, this is coming into your eighth year, right? Oh, no, no. This is our sixth year. Oh, really? Yeah. And I want to, I just want to say that I'm not going to paint a pretty picture at all. It isn't easy. It's really, really, really hard. And I think the only reason we're around still is because of the people who believe in the project. It shouldn't be around. One of the other drum magazine publishers told me a few years ago, he's like, I don't get it. You shouldn't be able to exist. And he's right. We shouldn't be able to exist except for what Bobby was saying earlier, which is the demand. But because of the print condition right now and because of the drum industry isn't like racking in dollars either and tr to try to introduce a essentially brand new market which shouldn't be a brand new market but to introduce a brand new market and fund that market is also completely uphill battle but in my mind if we like the longer we survive the easier it'll get but our big our challenge is to basically become a part of people's consciousness, which we have not been. And so that is an enormous challenge. It's not easy, like every day, every week, every month. It's very, very difficult. So I'm not going to say that, it's, that I wouldn't recommend anyone do this unless they felt like they had to, which I do feel like I have to do this. So, and it's really nice when people say, you know, congratulations that you're still around, but we're really still around because we're fighting every day to be around. Basically just, an army of women drummers and women drummer supporters who want to see this easier for anyone else who wants to pick up the drums or do anything in their life when they have told they can't or haven't seen anyone else doing it. So yeah, we're, and we're growing all the time, which is part of it. Like part of, part of our, I guess it's like a chicken and egg thing. It's like in order to grow, we need to work really hard in order to work hard, we need to grow. I don't know how to explain that, but 
it isn't like it's just happening very organically. It's happening because we're all working and fighting. Yeah, that's that's that. <laughs> explain that really well. Sorry. No, that was, yeah, I totally exactly. You hear me, Bobby? Yeah, I, I totally. I mean, yeah, I couldn't. Mindy explained it perfectly. It's like it's such a huge struggle to convince people. I mean, up until last year, I, I couldn't convince people that this was a real market. They wouldn't believe me. They were just like, we, you know, historically, like, we don't, we haven't seen it. And so, you know, go find somewhere else to try and get money to exist. And this year, it was the complete opposite. It was just like, I was like, and for me in my head, I was like, oh, cool. Like, now you guys see it. (laughs) Like, now it's time. But no, I mean, for us, like, our print is one thing that we do. And we do it three times a year so that we have room to book. 20 or more shows a year and a festival and South by Southwest shows and, and media, we're really, really pushing our, our, our website. So I feel like, yeah, print is one way to do it. And it's really important because people who live in small towns or, or just any, anyone who only, who only digests media through physical magazines in, in newsstands, it's just really important to see us in newsstands next to every every guitar magazine so that people know that there is an option for women to be a part of this industry. But it's certainly not our only our only outlet. Yeah, I think I, I'm the online editor at Bitch Media, so I do all the online content. But I also am a reader of print magazines, including She Shreds and Tom Tom. And I think print is so important for those reasons. And we actually just did a big survey of our readers at Bitch and found out that people get their media in all different ways, you know, a big percentage of our readers say that they primarily get their news from Facebook and a big percentage of our readers aren't on Facebook at all. And a bunch of our readers have really personal visceral experiences of finding bitch on somebody's coffee table when they were in South Dakota when they were a teenager and like holding onto it for years or coming across it in a bookstore in Chicago and being like, what is this? It speaks to me and holding onto it for years. And that's why I think in part that the print magazine is so important and that print media is so important is because it does reach out and find people in a really unique way and then sticks around. People keep it on their bookshelf. They keep it on their coffee table. They put it in their bag until it gets dog-eared and falls apart because it's special to them and they want to hold on to it and they want to share it. Whereas online, I'm all about trying to reach people where they get their media. You know, So that means talking to people on Tumblr. That means talking to people on Instagram. That means talking to people on Twitter and Facebook and on our website because that's where people are getting their media. And as people say, you know, print magazines are declining. I don't think that the market for like for quality news or information or analysis is going away. You're listening to the future of what? If you're enjoying this program, like us on Facebook and become a subscriber on iTunes. Say wait to 
That was Menton by Palace Winter. You're listening to The Future of What? And today we're having a roundtable on the representation of women in media. So one of the things I wanted to touch on because I think it speaks to this whole feminist ethos in the world that we're that we're all interested in, is the fact that in order for Fabi and Mindy to start these magazines, you guys have actually had to become entrepreneurs, which is amazing because that's actually another, you know, as because here I am, I'm, you know, running a 25-year-old record label, but I didn't start it, you know? So what I'm interested in in the world is this entrepreneurship. This, this, the entrepreneurship has been for so long such a domain of men. And I think one of the reasons we have the differential in power is because when you start stuff, you get to run it your way. And I think women have been dissuaded from entrepreneurship in our culture. I don't know why, for a variety of factors probably over the years. But I think it's particularly fabulous that we have more women like you guys actually starting businesses. But do you want to speak? I mean, I think you've been speaking to it all along. It's hard to run a business. Yeah. And and for me, actually, like, I am so, I'm actually so grateful for some of the fighting that I've had to do because it's taught me how to meet my goals with no, as is, as not an option. Like, as with, like, I just, I don't know how to not fight and I think that that is really I never went to college I started I've been doing everything just from drive and passion and I think that I'm just so I'm just so grateful because that's what drives me and 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 I think being an entrepreneur is just and especially in our field right now as being the only magazines and with the shift in print and media you kind of have to create your own rules you have to create new ways of doing things you have to be unique and creative and be genuine and authentic and and that is sort of what what I get to do because of my position because of because of everything leading up to this so yeah I wanted to speak to that point, too. I think part of my feminism was less about the self-awareness of being an entrepreneur myself, but in the beginning until today, it's about our staff and who writes and shoots the magazine, which I would say about 90% are women. And in the beginning, everyone involved was a female drummer, all of our writers, illustrators, designers, coders. And I set out to make this a profitable company, which I'm still working on, and in the hope that all the people working for the magazine, majority women, would be getting really nice pay for what they do. And so I definitely thought that the back-end feminism would be as strong as the front-end, which is the product. And it's, it, I mean, because of your question, it sounds like it is. We're thought of to be, or we are women entrepreneurs, which is cool. And ideally are um, inspiring other people who have been marginalized to do it their own way and do it and not be afraid, which is the cool byproduct of being the owner of this um, was unexpected, actually. Nice to hear you say it. Yeah, I think a lot of why entrepreneurs have historically been mostly male comes a lot. A lot of it comes down to capital. A lot of it comes down to who has money and how much money do they have. And women, because of a lot of reasons, including the systemic race and wage gap, have less money than men. And it has been harder to start your own businesses. And so that's sort of changing with with the ability to crowdfund, with the ability to ask people to support your projects more easily. Instead of having to go through more gatekeepers to get that money, you can just be like, you know what? If you're if you want to support a women guitar magazine, you can you can help pitch in for it. If you want to support independent feminist media, you can help pitch in for it. And we have the tools to do that now thanks to the internet and technology. 
And also, as Fabi was saying, you have to con- like you still have to convince people that this is a market, which means which says to me that there's still a gap there in terms of money, like the people who are controlling a lot of the money and a lot of the capital for for media and for the music industry still don't believe this is important. And if that's going to take some change to say like, you know, this, this is a market, something you should invest in. It's not just like a good cause. It's a good investment. Yeah, I agree. And I was going to say just that I think that female musician is already this like sort of risk taker role. And if you found your way, particularly as a drummer, like banging on something loudly in the back of your band, it just seems like a natural progression to just continue doing things that are against the grain and continue being really bold. And I found that a lot of the women that I work with who are drummers are really, really bold. I don't know if that's true. I'm sure it's true of guitar players. I'm just speaking to my experience, but you're sort of breaking rules already. And so it's like really easy to just break some more rules. Like, okay, yeah, let's do this thing too now and see how this works out for us. Yeah. And another thing that, you know, like my goal is to not be seen as a cause. Like our, our my overall goal is to be seen as a as a company not as a cause and i it really that's one of the things that really sort of irks me is that people people do see it as a cause and people do say you know it's like it's a donation and and that's not that's not how i want us to be seen we are real we are here and like we always have been i agree i'm so i was just laughing i was like yeah totally <laughs> yeah that's exactly where we're at. I mean, I remember when I took over Kill Rockstars in 2006, over 50% of the bands on the label were female-fronted or had women in the bands, which was incredibly unusual for a record label and still is incredibly unusual for a record label. But at the time, it felt totally normal. And I think one thing we have to fight against besides you know, being seen as a cause is also just sort of internal apathy of the community where the community is like, oh, this is totally normal. So everything is just going to continue along and everything's fine. And I think we have to say, no, it's not fine. We have to keep fighting. We have to keep working on this. You know, I mean, I remember there was a magazine called Sassy when I was in college, which was amazing. It was run by women. It had a totally just had a wonderful tone. And that magazine was read happily by me, by my guy friends who loved music. Everybody was like very much like, oh yeah, this is how the world is. It's cool. And we love the breeders and we love, you know, Mo Tucker and we love, you know, whoever it was playing at the time. And yet it was like, we felt like, oh, okay, well, we've arrived. We're cool now. But that was 20 years ago. We haven't arrived. We didn't, hadn't arrived and we weren't cool. And now Sassy's not around anymore. And Sassy's gone, right? Which was so sad because what a great, it was a great magazine. Well, the injustices that exist in the media and like overall around the world, like in our own, in all of our lifetimes, we won't see the end of them. So I plan to continue to fight against any and all injustices like for the rest of my time and seeing this slow moving feminism like trickle and then go away and then come back in the music industry. I think if the, if all of us on this call on this call and sesh radio show like stayed working at this until we're eighty, we'll we'll still have work to do on it. Like that's at least what I mean because I was also around during like I said during the radical movement. And I felt like things would be so much different now today. They'd be so much better. I took that for granted, and knowing that it's not that way, I just I think change is really slow and. If we're all in it for the long haul, we'll see something actually change. Ideally, that's the goal. And on that hopeful note, <laughs> thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, we have Sarah and Fabi and Mindy. Thanks so much for being on The Future of What. Thank yeah. you, Portia. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.
And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission from the fine Danish label Tamborinoceros. Check them out at tamborinoceros.net. We played Going Under by EXEC, Menton by Palace Winter, Cezanne by CTM, and of course our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. For more info on the shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rockstars. See you next week. 